book of Romans chapter 8, please. We'll read a few verses, and I honestly don't know. There's so much in this chapter, I don't know how much I'll get done this morning. I don't want to be overly long. I'm a long-winded preacher, as I'm told as it is, and I don't want to be extra long, but we'll see. Maybe I'll do part two next week, um, or how the Lord leads, but let's see how far we get this morning. Romans chapter 8, please. Beginning to read at verse 20, and it's a well-known verse by each and every one of us who know the scriptures. Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Keep your Bible open at that chapter because we're going to look extensively this morning at this. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. And we praise you for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the giving of him. Lord, we thank you for your life, for your precious shed blood, for your sacrifice. We thank you, Lord Jesus, you went all the way. And there, Lord, you died as our substitute. You died in our place and in our room instead. We thank you this morning, Lord, for your precious blood, the blood that flowed from Emmanuel's veins, the blood we have read about, the blood we have sung about. And, oh, Father, this morning we thank you that we know for an assurance as your own that that blood has paid our debt in full. So this morning we thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. And Holy Spirit, won't you tell us more about that lovely name. This morning, we pray that you would have your way, that you'd speak to every heart, that you'd encourage the saint this morning. If there's one unsaved, Lord, that you'd reach them by your sovereign grace. And, oh God, that if there's one this morning who's fallen away, maybe been in the world and found themselves here this morning, Lord, maybe one cold and indifferent in heart, we pray, Lord, that you'd draw them close to yourself again. And, O God, we pray also, Lord, that you would minister to the mourning, to those who are tender after bereavement, to the sick, Lord, in body, whether they're here watching or somewhere in home or hospital. God, we pray for our land. We pray for our nation. Lord, away from you, so badly fallen into sin. And then to depravity, Lord, we pray that you would speak again. Lord, that you would bring revival to Ulster. We believe revival in Ulster will be a, a Lord, a, a bringing forth of a, of a reborn Britain, Lord, a united kingdom and a salvation to the Ireland. We pray, O oh God, that you would move again by your spirit and sovereign power. Lord, that you would be exalted in the lives and hearts of many. We thank you for your word. And we thank you, Lord, you're here to bless your own. And those who are your own, you love us with an everlasting love. Thank you for who you are. 
Father, glorify your Son and glorify your name. May your Spirit have free course here this morning. For Jesus' name's sake, we ask it and we pray. Giving you thanks for everything, for thy alone art worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. This short reading this morning, I believe it encapsulates the whole of the chapter. But really, more than the whole of the chapter, it speaks really of the Christian life. The Christian life. We are saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only are we saved by grace, brother and sister, but we are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. So we're saved and we are kept solely on that which God has done through his Son and in his Spirit according to the word of God this morning. I want you to look at some of these things. For example, this chapter of chapter 8, it has some points. I don't know how many we'll get through this morning, but it has the Christian life the whole way through. For example, we have the salvation of the soul. Secondly, we have the sanctification of the believer. Thirdly, we have the resurrection of the dead, of the body. Fourthly, we have the glorification of the saints. And fifthly, we have the revelation of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. And then, sixthly, we have the culmination of it all. The culmination of it all. For example, we are taken from glory unto glory. Your salvation and mine was not an afterthought of God. Was not a hap or by chance that we might get saved. It was not something that was dependent upon our doing nor our choosing. But everything to do with our salvation was all to do with the Lord. It's all of him. It's through him, it's by him, and it's for him. Our salvation not only rescues us from a lake of fire and from this present evil world, but our salvation takes us to glory. And not only that, but our salvation is for the glory of the Father. When a man and a woman is saved, I mean born again of the Spirit, washed in the blood of the Lamb, and sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. When that man and that woman are saved, I mean truly saved, blood-bought, that man and that woman are kept by God. It is known as the perseverance of the saints, but rather it is the preservation of the Holy Spirit in the saint. All of it is here, and it's all to the glory of the Father this morning. Every saint of God that's been born again is not for our glory, 
but it glorifies the Father who is in heaven. Paul writes in verse 28 of our reading, and we know that all things work together for the good. Notice, to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Notice, Paul is making a definition here to them that love God, to them who are the called, and it's according to his purpose. Now, when I'm low, when I'm weak in faith, when I have a trial, or even I'm struggling through a circumstance, the sovereignty of God, knowing, believing, that he is sovereign over all things. The sovereignty of God is not that he's sovereign when I allow him to be sovereign. The sovereignty of God is not that he is sovereign when I decide that he can be sovereign over a situation or within a subject or a circumstance that I find myself in. No, the sovereignty of God is that he is sovereign despite my thoughts. Despite what I'm in, despite what I'm going through, and in spite of all that I am, he is still God over all. Sovereign in all his ways, sovereign in all his doings, and he is still God on the throne. My lack nor my plenty, my little faith, or my much faith matters not as to the sovereignty of the Lord. And so when I am feeling that I'm up against it, I rest and I rehearse and I renew and I refresh myself in the sovereignty of my Father. Therein, brothers and sisters, is a help for you this morning alone. Should you leave here with nothing else to know that your father knows and that your father has never once relinquished his power nor his complete and total authority over all of your life, what's in your life, and over the entire world and the universe. No matter what's going on in our land, no matter what's going on in the nation, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter the fears that are being perpetrated upon us day on daily, I know and I believe in the sovereignty of Almighty God. Therein is my comfort. Therein is my help. Therein is my strength. And therein am I blessed. Here this morning, we read in Romans 8 and verse 28, and we know, it means that we know with an assurity. You see, the problem is many people don't read the Word of God. Many Christians aren't taught the Word of God, and they don't study the Word of God. And so how can they know the Word of God, and rather how can they know the God of the Word if they do not study or know 
nor are taught, nor preached to the word of God. Yes, illustrations are, are good at times, help us to understand. Stories that are put along in the preaching of the word may help us to grasp hold of something. They may have their place at times. But it is the word of God. It is this book here, the sovereign word of God. This book is the book that has changed the world. And it is this book within our hearts, within our minds, to get it deep into our breasts and into our souls. It is this word that carries me through. It is this word that tells us who our God is. When a man says, I don't like theology, then what you're saying is, I don't like to learn about God. Theos is God. Ology, to learn the doctrine of God. And when I read the scriptures, I get to know I get to understand, I get to hear about my God, the living God, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, and the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Note this, and we know with an assurity and with all assurance that all things work together for the good. The word here for Work, all things work together. It's a word, synergio. And it's where we get our word synergy from. Gives the idea that everything in the will, the purpose, the predestinated plan of God, all works together. It comes together and it moves together like a symphony of instruments playing a glorious harmony together. And hear that all things, even the bad things that we can't understand, the sovereign will of God is He and His will who moves the hands of time and who takes the things of eternity and places them in to the span of humanity. And he came in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there he came manifest in flesh. Sovereignty clothed in humanity. And he bled on Calvary's tree. That you and I might be forgiven and saved. Here the sovereignty of God is in all things. I can... God be glorified with what's happening in the world. Friend, I'll tell you, God is glorified every moment of every hour of every day. And how the believer says, does God not lift this pandemic as it's called, off this virus off the world and off our loved ones? Friend, I can tell you, I don't know everything, but I know this. That this world, this nation has turned its back on God. This nation has turned away from God. The sovereign hand that blessed Britain. The sovereign hand that giveth the word. The sovereign hand that giveth the preachers of that word. 
the John Knoxes who turned Scotland around. We think of the Whitfields, the Spurgeons, and in latter years, right up the Ulster with revivals. We think of the Lord moving in power with the Jeffreys, even coming right closer to the Paisleys and the McConnells of the world of, of Ulster and many other men who preached the word of God without fear and favor, seeing souls brought into the kingdom. And they turned away. They've turned away from the Lord. For all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Thank the Lord he sent his son. And the Lord hath led the iniquity of us all on him. Ulster is in a state. The United Kingdom and Ireland is in a state. And the reason that they're in such a sad and dreadful state is they've turned away from God. We find now that even in society, that which is good is now evil, and that which was evil is now deemed as good. But I want you to know that God is still on his throne. And until the sovereign hand of God moves the hand of the wicked one, we find that this will take its course. But in all things, God will work together for the good. To them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. By the end of this, friends, brothers and sisters, we'll find there will be those who have mouthed with their mouth the love toward Christ. But now, through this time, they've fallen away to allow the things of the world in their life to run away from the things of God. They've given up hope. They've turned down faith. They've turned their backs on the Lord. God is sifting his church. God is sifting. And God will be glorified. When he comes again, Christ will receive a spotless bride. Maybe in your personal life, for we know that all things work together for the good. You say, oh, my loved one has passed away. What is the good in that? I can tell you, friends, I've asked that question many, many, many times. Lost almost all my family. Of our immediate family, of one brother in Scotland left. They've all gone. They've all died young. And I asked the Lord many times, Lord, how does this work to the gather for the good? I remember when my mother died 24 years ago this April. A woman of 53 years of age. And when she died and we were at her funeral service, I remember a friend came up to me and I'd just been burying the coffin in the street and putting it into the hearse. And I'd literally turned around and a friend, he wasn't meaning really to be bad or to hurt me, but he said, Ken, I'm sure. And his words were, that has dented your faith. 
an unbeliever. He didn't know any better. And that was his words. He used dented. I'll never forget it. And I could just turn around to him and I didn't know what to say. Because I was hurting. I was mourning. Suffering loss. Wondering. Asking. And all that came out of my mouth was, all I know is that he is sovereign. And I must yield to his will and his doing. That he knows better than me. You know that man's got saved now? Something good may come out of these bad things in our own lives. All things are synergio. It means to synergize. God works things and we can't see the good that comes out of the bad. And everything that's bad seems to be evil. But rather God, when the devil is a bad devil and he means all things for bad, God is a good God and he means all things for the good to them that are called according to his purpose. Here Paul tells us and gives us the Christian life and the synopsis from eternity to eternity, from glory unto glory. Verse 29 he says, For whom he did foreknow, Think about it, friend. Before you knew him, he knew you. Before you thought of him, he thought of you. Before you loved him, he first loved you. It's all of him and not of ourselves. And Paul says, for whom he did foreknow. The word here for foreknow is a a word, and it means he gave the prognosis. Not he looked down to you to see whether you'd like him or love him or accept him. No, he gave the prognosis from eternity. How wonderful is it that a man like me and maybe some like you in the world we lived in, the things we were doing, the life we led, that he knew me yet he loved me. You see, I take strength from this. I'm encouraged in it. That in my weakest of moments, I realize it's not my feelings, but it's imparted faith. And it's not in my doing and my strength, but it's all in Him. And it's not my choosing, it's His choosing. All things are of Him. And in Him we live and move and have our being. Oh, what comfort it is to the soul of the believer. What courage we can take to know that even before we knew Him, He knew us. And He sent His Son to die for us. That before there was a sinner on the earth in Adam our Father. There was a Savior in heaven, in Christ. Here we find, He foreknew us. And those He foreknew, He also did predestinate. 
there's a word people don't like to hear. That God actually is sovereign. He did predestinate. Notice here, friends, the word here for predestinate gives the idea of pre-before. And it gives the idea of a horizon or horizon. He looked beyond the horizon. He looked beyond the horizon of the fall of man in the garden. He looked beyond the horizon of Adam's sin and death. He looked beyond the horizon of the calling of the action of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And he looked beyond the horizon of the prophets to Israel. And he looked beyond the horizon where his son would be born at Bethlehem. And there he would live a sinless, spotless life. And he looked beyond that horizon to Calvary's cross. He looked at the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there he looked beyond again the resurrection. There he looked through time right to the day where I was born and you were born and those who will follow after us in him. And there he said, Thou art mine. Now what comfort. Let's be honest, there's nothing in you. Absolutely not one thing in you that ever wanted him. For the natural man is at enmity with God. But rather he made us alive by the power of the Holy Ghost. That we would behold the Lamb. He gave us imparted faith to call on his name. Can you see, friend, that you're called? I remember... Oh, 20 more something years ago. We went to a place just... You go along the shore road in Belfast and turn up the Doak Road. There's a place called Abbott's Cross. Cross away from Rath, cool estate. We used to do open airs in all the estates. Week in and week out. Just went around doing open airs. We done an open air in Portadown with a van and a trailer for a few years on a Friday. Every Friday for about two or three years. Remember we, we were at this open air and there was a, a row of shops and above it was blocks of flats or rows of flats. It was a Saturday morning and there was a, an oval-shaped drive around and we were in the island in the middle. The cars were parked around us and we were facing the shops and people were walking up and down. And there I stood up to the mic to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. And remember I stood up and I was preaching the word of God hoping that Someone would hear. And I remember the police came. A man came down. Angry. Almost violent with us. Because we were preaching. Came down from one of the flats. And he phoned the police. And the police came. We thought we were going to get arrested. And there they were around trying to tell us to stop it. And we wouldn't stop preaching the word of God. And this man and the police we thought... That all these things are terrible to happen. That, that this shouldn't be in Ulster. Getting worse today though. But suddenly. All things work together for the good. 
There was a man who was with us, was over where the shoppers were. They were giving out tracts, trying to get one-to-one conversations with people. And there was an old man, about 90 years of age, seen the commotion that was around us, and I kept preaching. And the police were trying to stop us, and I kept preaching. And the old man stopped at his tracks, and he turned to one of the men that was with us, and he came over to him and he says, that man there, that man preaching, how does he know me? How does he know me? The man says, I don't know how he knows you. He says, that man called my name and he asked for the man's name and the man that was with us, he didn't mention your name, he says. I never heard him mention anybody's name. He says, he's calling my name. He's calling my name. wasn't me calling his name. The Holy Ghost was calling his name. About 90 years of age he was. And he got saved. When all hell was against us, the man got saved by the grace of God. Prayer and cried his way to Calvary's tree. Rejoicing, an old man. He was like the man at the beautiful gate, went walking and leaping and praising God as he left. Oh, friends, you see, all things will work together for good because God is still on the throne and God knows each and every one of us. He knows our ways and our doings, He knows our plans and our purposes. And if they're not in line with His, then you and I need to look and say, Lord, show me, teach me. Lead me and guide me. And in that, in that, God's will be done. God's plan and purpose will come to pass. Friends, I see in verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Here you see these verses are the last point. We haven't touched the points. I'll maybe do it next week. I don't know. But the last point in these verses is the whole chapter, the culmination. This is the culmination of all Paul has said in chapter 8. The Christian life from eternity through the cross to eternity. From glory through the Son to glory. See, this is what rejoices me. This is what takes my heart. And like the old Puritan, Samuel Rutherford once said, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, since he hath looked upon me, my heart is not mine own, for he hath run away to heaven with it. Christ run away with your heart to heaven. Is your heart with Christ in heaven? There's too many hearts are in the world. Too many hearts are led by the world. So much in this chapter, and we just don't have the time, but that shows you that this chapter is the chapter of the flesh and the spirit. 
ordering our lives according to the flesh or the overcoming of the Spirit or ordering our lives. This is the chapter of the flesh and the Spirit. It's a chapter that starts with in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Starts with no condemnation. Listen, people say, ah, but after the flesh. It mainly speaks in the chapter of those who are not saved. It means they order their lives according to the world. And that's what this is doing today. God is showing those who are really fleshy, And carnal, those who have the depraved nature overrunning and overcoming the Spirit of God in their life. Notice this, friends. Starts with no condemnation and it finishes in the very last chapter. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature is able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's no separation by the end of it. All the power of the blood, the depths of the word, the power of the cross work of Christ. Notice here, to be conformed, this is, These verses are the culmination to be conformed. It means that we're being conformed not by the world, the outside, to change us inside. If that is happening, then we need to look and see, are you even saved? Is the world ruling your heart? But rather conformed means from the inside out. Christ is conforming me through the Spirit and the Word, to be like Him. This is not about sinless perfection. This is not about being sinlessly perfect, although in Christ, positionally we are. But this is about walking, living our lives, not in an open course of sin, but rather according to the Spirit and the Word. Thank God for His grace. Brother, if you have no grace in your heart, you have no Christ in your heart. The word conform means from the inside out, out to the image of His Son. See the word image? It's the word ikone. And it's where we get the word icon. That He might make us like an icon of God. For example, the sun in the sky shining on a lake. The reflection is the iconic. It's where we get our word iconic from. An icon. This is the reflection here. The sun in the heavens through the spirit and the word is making more of us like him. We are on this earth to be like the iconic of God. Like the person of the sun. Gives the idea when you take out a coin and Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II is on that. You look at that coin. That's iconography. A picture, as it were, ingrained in the metal of the Queen. It's the same word where the Father, through His Spirit, 
is making us to be like icons of the Son of God. But it's only in the over, overcoming of the Spirit in our lives, brothers and sisters. And oh, how we fail and fall far short. Thank God for His grace and mercy. Notice this. Let's go to verse 30 for time's sake. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. See the word called? It's a word, kletos. And this is what it means. It gives the idea to call someone to a banquet. Matthew 22, the king has a marriage for his son. And the parable there is that the Lord, God our Father, sent out the prophets and then the disciples preaching the word to Judea. And they come back and say they won't come. The Jews refused him. They won't come. He says, go in into highways and hedges. They go to Samaria and up into Galilee. And then he says, go further out and bring in the men. Bring out the lost sheep. He says, go out and get them. You go and preach it and I'll go with you. But call them to the marriage. Call them to a feast. Those that came were in the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's the same idea here. We're called, friend, brother, sister. Oh, there's many are called and few are chosen, but we are the called. Those through the Spirit who have had an opened ear, an ear opened to hear the Word of God, to receive the Christ of God. Moreover, whom he looked down through time and past, through all the horizon, before an eternity, he looked down and he found me. And I heard one night the unsearchable riches of Christ, of the glorious gospel of God. And there I heard of the blood of the Lamb. There the Spirit, by faith, enabled me to behold the Lamb of God who died for the sins of the world, but who took my sin, me. And there, through the Spirit's quickening, there I was given the wonderful gift of faith. And I called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, believing in His precious blood as the full atonement on payment for all of the debt of my sin. And there in that seat in the White Well Church, I was born again. Born of the Spirit with life from above into God's family divine, justified fully through Calvary's love. Oh, what a standing is mine. And it's because of that wonderful day when as a sinner I came, took off the offer of grace he did proffer. He saved me. Brother, he saved me. Sister, he saved you. 
Brother, he saved you. Are you saved this morning? Are you washed in the blood this morning? Notice, friend, this is what strengthens my heart. It is this in the times of trouble that keeps my soul. It is this that keeps my mind on Christ and stead on Him. Perfect peace is found in that. And the problem is many Christians don't lean on the Word and know the Word. I trust you do. I have to round this up. There's so much in this chapter. Maybe next week, God willing, we'll look at it. Notice here, we are to be conformed to the image of His Son. We are predestined and to them He also called. To whom He called, to them He also justified. I'm just as if I'd never sinned this morning. The Father has taken us and declared us righteous. Glenn read it as we took the emblems of remembrance this morning. Righteous in Christ because of his doing. He justified and those he justified and whom he justified, he also glorified. Here we have salvation, justification, resurrection. We have glorification all through Revelation. This is the culmination in these verses of what Paul has said. And as I finish this, let me tell you, we always like to read those verses from Romans 8 and verse 31 down. What shall we say? That, what, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? But that's on the premise of what we have said. It all rests on the premise of what shall we say to these things, Paul is saying. On the sovereignty of God, the omnipotent power of the omnipresent, omniscient one, whose omnibenevolence reaches all. What shall we say And if God be for us? Listen, people might say, oh, what if he isn't? What if he's not for you, Christian, this morning? What if you're leaving here and you go, well, what, if God be for us, but what if he's not in this situation? I can tell you. The word here, if, in the original text, doesn't mean the English if as in maybe if he is or if he is not. It is actually the word which is definite. It means since. Since he is for us, it's if, according to what we have heard, if, if you're his, if you're saved, the predestined, the elect of God, if, then you can take heart and you can rejoice. If or since. Since God be for us, who then can be against us? Will you take that this morning? This is what my heart rests on. This is what my heart beats on. Romans chapter 8, Paul is actually reading 
after what he says of himself in Romans 7. Romans 7 and verse 18. I know that in me, in Paul, in Ken, in Glenn, in Billy, in David, in Andrew, in you, 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 all over. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh. This flesh is nothing but a carcass of death and dying. We try to keep it alive. With healthy living sometimes, healthy eating sometimes, or with medicated purposes sometimes. But this will ultimately die should Christ hurry. And none has, none has the victory over it but the Lord Jesus Christ. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. Paul's talking about the struggle. Things that I shouldn't do, I find the flesh. Breaking the law of God, the commandments of God. I find the flesh. This old man of death, I find it and it overcomes me sometimes. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it. But sin that dwelleth in me, Paul is saying here, that even though I'm doing it, I know I'm perfectly righteous in Christ. Verse 21. I find in the law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Every step of faith you take, there's evil. And he's talking about your flesh. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Isn't that that wonderful? Oh God, I want to serve you and walk with you. I want to do your will and walk in your commandments and in your word. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Notice what he says of himself. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Paul, you're a wretch. As a man, you're a wretch. Ken, you're the same. There's not one of us any better than the other. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? It used to be a a torture where they used to get a dead body, strap it on to a prisoner or a criminal, and they chained it on to him. And he carried the weight of that dead body while that body decomposed. He had the smell of the decomposition. He had the weight of the body, the rottenness of it, right next to his flesh. That's what Paul's using here. That's how I am. The weight of this. The sin of this. The stench of it. And what happened was, 
the body decomposed, and when it decomposed, that old rotten, vile germs, disease entered into the prisoner's body. Then they lived a life of decomposition. While they were living, they were dead. And while they were living, they were dead. Paul says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? You know who delivered him? The Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know who delivered me? The Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know who will deliver you? The Lord Jesus Christ. Who has delivered you? The Lord Jesus Christ. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh. And that's in the chapter for another time. Not in sinful flesh and the likeness. Paul says in Romans 7 and 25, I thank God through, our, through the Lord, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Paul is not saying that we are to live in sin, to walk in an open course of sin, to habitually, continually sin. No, he's saying that we are to overcome the spirit of our mind, the loss of the flesh. When I read the word of God and I think of Romans chapter 28 and our, especially our reading this morning, 29 onwards. Pardon me, Romans 8 and 29 onwards. My heart beats for Christ because I see Christ has done it all for me. I can tell you, brother, sister, and friend, he saves and he keeps. He saves and he keeps. Be encouraged this morning, maybe even challenged, not to walk in an open course of sin, not to live our lives wrong. But remember, there's none of us better than the other because we all have this body until Christ comes to glorify it. Then we carry a wretched man and a wretched woman. May God bless his word to us this morning. For Jesus' sake. Amen.